Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Well, hello, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you are having a fabulous day, whatever day or time you're listening to this episode. I am, I'm particularly excited about today's topic. I think this is going to be a really fun one. Um, We titled this, okay, what did we title this? I opened up the wrong notes uh, in my um, fancy Asana software here. Okay. So today's episode is titled become your own business fortune teller. And I'm going to be going through five things. The numbers in your business can tell you. So I already kind of like, uh, gave away the the lead here. You're going to become your own fortune teller by digging into your business financials. All right. So we're talking about projections, all this good stuff. But before we do that, um, quick plug for myself here. As you know, um, I sent several emails a few weeks ago. I've been hyping it up. We have revamped my Profit Rx membership. We have both our uh, base membership, the $30 a month plan, and then our VIP membership, which has all kinds of amazing support, including uh, office hours with our bookkeeper, monthly Q&As with me, you name it. And what we've decided to do is like our new lead magnet, our new freebie to build the email list is uh, instead of like having, you know, freebie opt-in here and then like tripwire here and then this whole like complex funnel and all this kind of stuff, we just decided that we are going to do um, a free trial for the VIP tier of our membership. So I used to offer a free trial of the base tier of the membership. And um, just to give you all the inside scoop, I just found that didn't work super well because people just weren't really logging in. They weren't getting started. And now we thought, wouldn't it make a whole lot more sense to do a free trial of our VIP membership? Because then when you join, you can set up a one-on-one call with me. You can uh, get started on our co-working calls and you can get to the support that you need to jump over whatever your biggest hurdle is. So my goal is, what do they call that? Eat the frog, swallow the frog. Do you all know what I'm talking about? It's like a thing. It's like doing your hardest thing of the day, first thing in the morning to get it over with. That's kind of the route that we're taking in this trial. We want to determine what's going to be your biggest task. And we want to get you the most amazing result during your free month. And then of course, we hope that you stick around. Uh, in the VIP tier, that would be amazing to continue working with us. But you might say, hey, you helped me get that really, really hard thing done. Maybe I'm going to join the $30 a month plan now because I don't need all the support. Uh, Or maybe you got everything that you needed. So we are doing that. We'll put the link to that in the show notes, but it also should just be www.bradendrake.com forward slash trial. But link in the show notes, you can go find it, sign up. Um, you'll get an introduction with our community manager in the program, who is amazing. And we are going to help guide you through to make sure that you get some awesome, awesome results. All right. So with that in mind, we're going to get into today's podcast topic. And this actually comes from an email that I sent a few weeks ago when we did kind of our kickoff launch of the new VIP tier of the membership. 
I sat down to write this email and it really, it was supposed to be just like a few bullet points. And I ended up writing like basically an entire blog post. Okay. So I'm going to use this email slash blog post as the outline of the episode. And what we will do is instead of having longer show notes, we have a lot of visuals for this podcast episode. So we are going to create a blog uh, and our show notes will link to the blog. And the only reason we do that is just the backend functionality on our website doesn't allow us to have a lot of creativity in our show notes like we can in blog posts. So Emily, uh, my marketing manager who is listening to this episode, fun bonus surprise task for you. We're going to create a blog post. All right. So here we go. Uh, a lot of folks maybe you fall into this category. A lot of folks like to think of their bookkeeping and number management as solely a compliance task. So compliance is something that you legally you know, have to do to like stay in compliance with the law. And to me, this explains why so many people wait until March to haphazardly kind of throw all their numbers together. They're like, oh shit, I got to get this together to get it to my accountant or just get it to myself so that I can file my taxes. But when you do that, you inevitably miss stuff. So to give you an example, like I keep in my bookkeeping spreadsheet, I have a tab just for kind of like random stuff. So if I pay for something that's like technically deductible and I pay through it uh, for it through Venmo, I don't usually look at my Venmo account um, when I do my monthly bookkeeping. So I'll make sure to open my spreadsheet and add that real quick. Same thing if I pay for something with cash, um, if I accidentally pay for it through my personal bank account. And then if people pay me through Venmo, PayPal, whatever, I don't ever take cash payments, but if that happened, I would put it on that, on that thing. And then I make sure that it gets added to my books. If I did not keep up with my bookkeeping, almost all of that stuff would get lost and I would not have accurate records when I went to do my tax returns. So I want to encourage you not to be the person who kind of does it slapdash during tax season. Instead, you want to do it throughout the year so that, again, you can become the fortune teller of your own business and stay on top of your numbers. So with that said, here are five reasons that you need to stay on top of those numbers. So reason number one, they can help you budget for next steps. So you all know on my regular profit report episodes, I like to share this concept of baseline revenue, which is the amount that I can almost guarantee I'll make each month with just my standard default activities. You uh, might like you could take a look at my books. So like in the blog post, we'll scare, share a screenshot. Um, but just to give you a summary, this is monthly revenue. So I'll give you January through August monthly revenue. I'm going to round the numbers. 14,500 in January, February, 9,300, March, 12,200, April, 10,500, May, 9,800, June, 13,800, July, 11,800, August, 14,900. I'm actually recording this episode the last week of September, so we do not have September numbers yet. So you might listen or look at those numbers and assume that my baseline is around 10,000, but not quite. I'm now considering my baseline to be about 8,000. I could probably say 9,000, but 8,000 very conservatively. And I find that by looking at my recurring revenue, so monthly recurring revenue, plus the average sales I get on top of that outside my promotional periods, right? So 
monthly recurring revenue is easy because those are people that are on payment plans. So unless people cancel, I know that I'm going to have that income coming in. And then I can look at the average of everything else I sell when I'm not doing any promotion, right? So that's just people who are like landing on my website and buying stuff. So that's the key for me personally. Uh, and it's why I account for income by offer. So I have another photo here in the blog post that shows my income summary. And I break up my income uh, on my profit and loss with the categories of membership, contract vault, book sales, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, like VIP day services, affiliate income, and then other income. And my other income is like usually between $100 and $300 a month. It's pretty, pretty low. So I count my baseline revenue as the $7,000 in membership income I have on average per month. That's the recurring revenue, plus about $1,000 in contract vault sales, which is actually like the lowest sales month we've had for the contract vault. That's what I can expect with my like minimal efforts, essentially. Like that's what I would expect to make if I went on vacation and just had like my team kind of running things for me without us promoting anything. That's the baseline revenue. So all the other stuff is a bonus. So where this comes into play and why it's important for me to understand this, and this is going to you know, segue to help you understand how you can use this in your business, is that my baseline of 8,000 tells me what I can comfortably spend each month, including uh, my own salary. So ideally, my salary and my business expenses will stay under $8,000 then I won't take on any additional recurring expenses to put me over that amount. Um, if I wanted to do that, like, let's say I want to join a group coaching program, a mastermind, I want to hire a PR person for $1,000 a month. I know that I would need to either increase my baseline revenue by $1,000 or cut my current expenses by $1,000 in order to comfortably afford that. And when I say comfortably, I just mean like zero stress, because that's the kind of vibe I'm trying to bring into my 2023 year. Okay. So you can do this too. Um, try to figure out what your baseline revenue is. And in order to do that, you have to crunch the numbers. Your bookkeeping needs to be up to date. All right. If it's not up to date, you need to get it up to date. And you don't have to overanalyze things. You're going to be surprised how much you learn just as you track those numbers. Once you do track the numbers, um, you might find that your baseline revenue is a lot more difficult to find depending on your business model. If you don't have recurring revenue, it's going to be more difficult, but you still should have some kind of a barometer. If it is more difficult, this is where having a business emergency savings is very important and also a slush fund savings, right? Because for me, um, I no longer, I used to be on a, on a model where I would have, you know, like a $20,000 a month and then a $3,000 a month when I was doing big course launches. And when I did that, I would need to stash away a lot of that 20,000 to kind of carry me over the next months. But I might, you know, save it on a basis of planning to launch again in four months. So I spread the $20,000 over four months, $5,000 per month is what I plan to spend. But then if that next launch doesn't go well, uh oh, I'm in trouble. Um, and that's where I would want to have some savings. Now with more recurring revenue, I don't have to worry about it as much. So you're going to use these numbers again to inform how much you need to save. The slush fund savings is similar 
Um, but that's money that you're saving specifically like to be spent. Your emergency savings stays in savings until you have a legitimate emergency and you need it. Whereas your slush fund savings is like, you know, it's your fund spending money in your business. You want to join a program. Do you have money in your slush fund if you don't have it all in your normal checking account? That's your question. So that is number one, right? So the number one reason that you need to stay on top of your numbers, it was because they can help you budget for next steps. So reason number two, it can also help you manage your expenses. So in addition to detract, in addition to tracking my deductible expenses by category, so I'm talking about the dollar amount, I also track the percentage of revenue for every expense category. So I have a screenshot here as well. Again, you can see it in the blog post. And if I look at the most recent month, I can just go down the column and I see that 3.4% of revenue went to affiliate payouts, 1.6% to monthly tools, 18.5% to team contractors. I won't redo the entire list, but this is really, really key for me because then I can see rather than just looking at the dollar amount, what the percentage is, because uh, it makes a lot of sense. For example, if I have a $20,000 revenue month, as opposed to a $10,000 re revenue month, I might also see a correlative correlative is that a word? We'll pretend like it is a correlative spike in contractor expenses, but the spike should not be in the percentage of revenue, right? So if I'm going to spend on average 10% of my revenue in contractor expenses, then that would be $1,000 on a $10,000 revenue month and $2,000 on a $20,000 revenue month. All right. So I'm looking at that percentage. And when I see it in the rows in my spreadsheet, I can see where it spikes. And I had a little bit of a spike last month. So then I can dig into that, see what's going on. Um, super, super helpful. I also have, um, I like to keep track of my monthly tools. So monthly tools is anything, any kind of software really that I pay for on a monthly basis. And this used to be a lot higher. As I'm doing my profit report interviews on the podcast, I hope you're listening to those. They're super, super fun. When I bring guests on and we dig into their PL, um, what I'm finding just chatting with them and reflecting back to when I started my business and when they started their business, uh, I've quickly realized that monthly tools tend to be a much larger chunk of expenses for new business owners than for uh, for higher revenue. But I should say than it is bigger for lower revenue business owners than it is for higher revenue business owners. Because, you know, if I'm paying $180 per month for Kajabi, that's a lot of money when I'm making $1,000 a month, when I'm making $15,000 a month, not a huge deal, right? So there's only so many things, so many softwares you need. And yeah, they're going to marginally, marginally increase. For example, What's something I just signed up for? Oh, I was thinking about signing up for Airtable. I haven't even looked at their pricing yet. I'm assuming it's a freemium business model, like everything else, like free to sign up. And then you pay if you want the extra features. But if I had a guess here, let me, let me Google this. Let me Google this and see Airtable pricing, not sponsored everybody. Okay. So <laughs> Airtable cost, um, Let's see. Okay. So free to sign up, right? Their plus plan is $10 a month. Their pro plan is $20 a month. So I might end up using the plus plan. That's going to add $10 a month to my monthly tools. 
when I was new in business, this was something I'd be very diligent about because if you have five tools that adds up very quickly, once you're more experienced in business uh, or have higher revenue, again, is what I should say, because some people have very high revenue in their first year of business, uh, that makes a real big difference. So again, looking at these percentages helps a lot. If you get really savvy with your bookkeeping, you can create profit margins by category as well. So as I mentioned, um, I've mentioned this in previous emails uh, and podcast episodes. I just hired my first employee, a fabulous bookkeeper, who's going to be helping uh, our profit RX members with office hours and things. She will also eventually be doing done for you bookkeeping when we roll out our full service uh, offer later this fall. Very excited. I, and I will have her track her time per client. So, you know, client A, bookkeeping, three hours. Client B, bookkeeping, 1.5 hours. Uh, and then we can multiply her hours times her hourly rate. So I can determine on average, how much is she spending or how much are, am I spending on that, those labor costs per client? And then after a few months, I'll have a really great data to determine if our monthly rates are priced correctly for solid margins. We'll also look at, you know, if we have one client, if our on average, we're spending three hours per client, but one client's consistently taking six hours. Why is that? Is it because they have sales tax? Is it because they have more transactions? And then that will inform us on what the pricing should be when we take on similar clients. So I know we have some interior designers listening. I'm already anticipating that your bookkeeping is going to be a lot more difficult than most of our other clients, because with all of the goods you have to buy and the markup and everything, it just gets a little trickier. It's going to take us more time. We might have to charge differently for that. And by tracking our time, we will be able to figure that out pretty quickly. And the good news is that you can do this too, right? So on all these points, I'm kind of sharing how I use my numbers and then how I recommend that you do it for yourself. So if you really want to dig into it, obviously you have to have your bookkeeping super dialed in and then you need to start tracking your time per client or per service offering. If you sell products, the great news is this is even easier. So for example, I can look at my expenses and see what it costs me to print my book Unfuck Your Biz is the title of the book, same as this podcast, how much it costs me to print it and ship it. So I have a screenshot for this as well for all the expenses I had for the book in one month. Uh, on the low end, it cost me $18.50 to print and ship the book. And on the high end, it was $19.30. So, you know, an 80 cent range there. I sell the book for $30. So my hard cost margin is roughly $11. So uh, my margin, sorry, my profit margin is $11. We also have like a tiny bit of labor costs. My VA puts in the book orders and manages customer support. So if I had to estimate, I'd say, you know, one to $2 per copy is like our kind of like backend admin cost. So it's pretty simple. You can easily see then that if I just wanted to sell the books at cost and not make money, I'd probably have to sell them for $21 to $22 just to conservatively make sure we're not losing money. And some people do do that. They want to price it as low as they can because the rationale is that if people buy and read the book, they're much more likely to pay for our higher services. And so you use it almost as like a free 
uh, lead gen tool. I decided to price mine at $30, nice clean number, and it gives us a little bit of profit, which is, you know, fabulous cherry on top. All right. What's the third reason you need to be looking at your numbers so that you can be your own fortune teller? Uh, reason number three, it helps you determine when an S corp is the right move. So we've talked about S corps a lot on the podcast, but I feel like it has been a minute since I really broke it down. So that's what we're going to do. S corps help you save self-employment tax, but you only save them on your profit, specifically the profit you make after you pay yourself a reasonable salary. This is one of the reasons I separate what I call owner profit from business profit. So if you take a look um, at the year-to-date books, uh, at my year-to-date like screenshot that I shared of my bookkeeping, you can see revenue of 97,000, cost of goods of 1.5,000, expenses 41,000, and owner profit of 54,000. So owner profit 54, salary 36, and then business profit 18. So the owner profit, which is the first profit number, is simply my revenue minus cost of goods minus expenses. So easy peasy. I then pay myself a reasonable salary. You can see it's $36,183 a year to date at the time that I took these screenshots. On that amount, I pay income taxes and self-employment taxes. The business profit is the owner profit minus the salary. On this amount, I only pay income taxes. So I save roughly 15.3% self-employment taxes on that amount. So my S-Corp uh, by the end of August was saving me about $2,700 this year thus far. Typically what I see uh, and what I advise folks in my membership is that you want business profit at year end to be at least $20,000 for an S-Corp to make sense. So I certainly should be over that by the end of the year. That's when the amount of tax aid will also offset the associated costs enough to justify the slight increase in administrative um, to-dos, right? Tracking these numbers can help make you astutely aware of when the right time will be. So if we're tracking your owner profit or what your owner profit would be if you had an S Corp, then you should have a good, good idea in November of whether it's gonna make sense for you to do it the following year, right? And that's what we're really looking at with these numbers. Okay, number four, it helps you determine when to spend more on deductions. The rush of people trying to blow money every December to maximize their deductions, quote unquote, maximize their deductions baffles me to no end. Or I should say hearing people tell other people to spend money as a sales tax tactic baffles me. I see this, especially when it comes from people who are supposed to be money savvy, right? It's hard to tell if they're like intentionally manipulating people or if they just don't know how taxes work, they'll say, you know, sign up for my program before the end of the year so you can save all this money in taxes, which like, sure, maybe like they are going to save money in taxes, but is that a good financial idea? Maybe not. And here's why. Assume you're in the 22% tax bracket. This means that you're going to save 22% of the cost of every item you purchase assuming that it's deductible, right? And taxes. So a $1,000 computer would be equal to $222 in tax savings until, you know, that deduction drops you into the lower tax bracket. So if you pay for something that's $20,000, 
and 10,000 of it's in one tax bracket, and then it drops you into another tax bracket, you're going to save different percentages on that. I hope that makes sense. It's a little, little confusing. Um, so here's the problem though. Take a look at our tax brackets. Um, you obviously can't see this, but if you want to click over to the blog, you can see it. And I, I, wrote, we wrote in the blog, where do you see the biggest jump? I'm just going to have to tell you, right? Because I'm assuming you don't see it. The 10% tax bracket is on income up to about $10,000. The 12% tax bracket is on income up to about $41,000. This is for single filers. And then after that, we have a big jump um, over that $40,000 mark. The tax bracket goes to 22%. So big jump there. Ignoring other possible income sources, most of us tend to live in those first two brackets, the 10 and 12% brackets for the first, you know, one year of business, three years of business, maybe longer. It depends how quickly you grow. Um, so 10 to 12% bracket, big jump, 22%. All right. Are you following me? This is the key question to think about. So, you know, pause the podcast if you need to think about this. If you're buying the $1,000 computer, would you rather buy it in the 12% bracket or the 22% bracket? So think about that. Here's the answer. You'd want to buy it in the 22% bracket, right? Because when you're in a higher tax bracket, you're going to save more in taxes on everything that you buy. You would save an extra 10% in taxes from 12 to 22% tax bracket. That's $100 on a $1,000 purchase. So a big difference there. So... If you're in the 12% bracket this year, and this is pretty common, so this is why I take the time to bring this up. If you're in the 12% bracket this year, but expect to be in the 22% bracket next year, would you want to buy the computer in December? No, you wouldn't. Uh, at least not if you can help it. You know, if you really need a computer, you need it. You'd want to wait until January. Uh, because if you wait until January, new tax year, where you're expecting to make more money, higher tax bracket, more to save in taxes if you wait. So hope that all made sense. If you track your numbers, you should know by Q4 what your trajectory is and if making uh, investments makes tax sense. Also, you should be tracking your quarterly taxes paid and balance owed to help make these decisions even clearer. All right, so we're on to number five. It helps you look at the big picture. So everyone, um, I love pie, real big fan. Like I'm already, we're two months away and I'm already thinking about the pumpkin pie I'm going to make for Thanksgiving, but I may love pie charts even more than like actual pie. They're very simple yet. They show so, so much. So here, uh, I want to show you all in the blog my, I call it my expense, salary, and profit pie. And maybe we'll put this in, in the show notes. Emily, I think we can do that. I think we've done that in the past. Um, but the pie shows expenses, my expenses, 43% of total revenue, profit, 20%, and salary, 38% of total revenue. So this is the North Star of my business. It's the number one indicator it gives me the big picture. I can look at this pie chart and I immediately know like, oh, yikes, my expenses are 7% above target. Salary is close to what it should be. And then obviously those extra expenses are eating into my target profit. So what do I need to do? What's my next step? 
in order to like figure out why the numbers are off. I'm going to drill down in the problem piece of the pie, which for me is the expense piece. And then I can go into the more detailed indicators in this case by looking at the expenses. So I'm going to look at my expense summary um, for each month. I can see that my expenses were way up in the months of June through August. July specifically was the highest. I had almost $10,000 in expenses. So I can zoom in to July and look at all my expense transactions for that month. And a few things jump out to me. Um, and I'm going to go through these really quickly because I talked about this a lot in my July profit report. My um, contractor expenses were way up for project-based contractors, $4,500. Normally that would be, you know, like zero or a thousand. So that was about half of the total expenses. I also had three wage expenses and normally I would only have two. And what that tells me is that payroll ran three times that month because I probably ran June payroll like a day or two late. So it didn't debit until like the first of July, most likely. So that explains $1,500. I also bought a $700 program, which was out of the ordinary, and a $400 um, painting for my office, which is, if you're watching the video for this, it's this beautiful painting right behind me. Um, so basically, I went on a little bit of a spending spree in the month of July. Uh, there are a few expenses, like that uh, course that I bought that I probably would take back, um, maybe a couple other, other things, but ultimately not too upset about it because I spent that money with the expectation that I will see my ROI in November of this year into next year. So looking at these numbers can be a good reminder to me that I sacrificed the health of my pie chart in the summer to reap those rewards in the winter months. And then uh, I can plan for that increased revenue, but not plan to increase my expenses, right? That's the key. And that'll help bring my pie chart back into balance, fingers crossed. The pie chart can also tell you if you're doing this in your bookkeeping, when your salary is too low, if you have an S-corp and salary dips below 30%, we probably want to increase that salary in order to keep it quote unquote reasonable under the law. If you're not an S-corp, we can do a faux salary. Um, and if that is too low, it tells you that you need to increase your profit. Uh, the other thing that pie chart can tell you is actually when you're not spending enough money. Yes, this actually happens. Think about, would you rather have $50,000 in revenue at 90% profit or a hundred thousand with 70% profit? 70,000 is more than 45,000, which is how those numbers shake out. So your pie might be telling you that you need to spend some cash to grow the revenue and the business. And that that's actually going to be the best thing to help you. So those were our five things the numbers can tell you to help you be the fortune teller of your own business. This is kind of a big assumption though, right? The, the purpose of this podcast episode was to help you start thinking about why you should do this on a regular basis, as opposed to just waiting during tax season, but then you actually have to do that. So again, if you would like help kind of getting this all set up, you can join the VIP tier of our membership where we have uh, the free trial, I should say the free trial of the VIP tier of our membership, where we have all of these beautiful templates and trainings, um, but lots to think about here as well. I think that's all I have for this podcast episode. It was a pretty long one, pretty juicy one. If you have questions, as always, hop over to the Facebook group, Braden's Besties, and post them there. 
or if you really enjoyed the podcast episode, I would absolutely love it if you would post a selfie on your Instagram stories or a screenshot of the podcast or something to let people know that you're tuning in. Uh, it's the best and easiest way for us to grow the show and help more people like yourself. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll be back in your podcast app next week for a new one. Have a good day. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.